My fan is off. I'm already dripping. Woo! <laughs> <laughs> Full House premiered on September 22nd, 1987, and Fuller House premiered on February 26th, 2016. God rest our souls. This is Pilot Study Season 2. Pilot Study Talking all of your favorite shows, but only the pilot episode that means the first show, in case you didn't know. We never know what show they're gonna talk about, but they're only gonna talk about the first one. And that's the premise behind Pilot Study. Hello and welcome to Pilot Study episode number 25 in our season 2 premiere. My name is Chris Lantina, and I'm joined, as always, he's Kimmy Gibbler's Spanish boyfriend, it's Grimes! What? <laughs> it is Grimes. Hello, sir. Season two. Season two, and we kicked it off with a real dandy. Uh, yeah, thanks for this, by the way. I want to, like Bane does to Batman in the classic film, The Dark Knight Rises, I want to break both your body and your spirit this year. Well, this one definitely started off soul-crushing. Mm. Um, physically, my body is okay other than the damage done by the alcohol consumed during this debacle. <laughs> Any cinephiles listening, I use the term classic very loosely. <laughs> uh, before we kick off here, let's throw a quick thanks out to everybody who listened to the show in the two-month intermission between seasons. Uh, we had people coming to the SoundCloud every single day. Hopefully people discovering the show for the very first time. And those season one episodes, they are still there for you, by the way. This is not a timely show. You could listen to this Full House podcast in 50 years, and it would still be a classic. <laughs> That's right. Just like the show. <laughs> Again, not a timely show. More of a study, as the title suggests. So please go back, check out season one, and of course, keep up with season two. And if you have any TV watching friends, pals, buddies, compadres all those other terms please let them know about pilot study season two let's kick it off here you know you know what before we do that i want to balance out the supremely bad today this episode may break you so and it may break our friendship and it may break the show so i want to talk about something good really quick to just to yeah. kind of balance it out so i have a question for you i'm watching the wire and you know there's so many people that say the wire is not just a good show, but one of the greatest shows of television history, if not the greatest. And I wanted to pose a question to you. I don't, I do not believe it can be classified as the greatest, given the second season of The Wire, especially compared to the surrounding seasons, is an outright disaster. So my question <laughs> to you, just in general TV terms, how how bad of a season can you forgive, in terms of a show being in the pantheon of of the greats, mm. how bad can a season be? Like, I think I do can you have forgive... do, do you have an example of like a show that had one really bad season, but you were able to bounce back? Yes, I can. Thirty Rock season four. Okay. Terrible, awful. Now you're gonna have to catch me up. My Thirty Rock <laughs> mythology is not uh, as high as yours. So what happens in season four? What makes it so bad? Um. Well, they got a. F they like got rid of some writers and brought in new ones, so that is never a good sign. I think yeah. season four was when that's like typically you make it over that hump, you get into syndication, blah blah blah. And I just think they were pushing too hard to make it like a real network show. Mm. Like there was like 
all these Did, love interests. I think Matt Damon came in during Sweeps Week. <laughs> Wait, was, was he like, was he the pilot suit? Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. He was. He had a woman's name. I forget what it was. But I, th- I think, I, it think was, it was, I think it was Sue, a boy named Sue. Yeah, I think it was Carol. Oh yeah, it was Carol. You're right. I don't know what the fuck I'm thinking. But that's the Johnny Cash song. But okay. anyway, um, yeah. So that just was a bad like regular TV season, especially when you have like Tina Fey, Tracy Morgan, Alec Baldwin, all these really good people. Mm-hmm. Um, but then because I loved it so much, I did stick with it, and it got better. I'm not that would saying, be my main I'm not saying like the second season of The Wire is like it's probably not objectively bad. But there are a couple characters that you're just waiting to get shot the entire time, and that's never a good sign of like how a show is spending its time. Uh, it, it goes from like inner city gang drug stuff to a shipping dock, and the shipping dock has um, basically all these like union working class characters that just bored me to fucking tears <laughs> yeah. and there was like the the dr- the drug stuff that they dealt with in season one it did jump back in there every now and then like a couple of guys in prison things things like that but season two is just such a sudden drop be- only because of the setting change all the character work is still great all the relationships have been established and then now can be funny on the met on the level of like a madman but the setting change is so drastic and so so much of a hit that it really does drop below its standards. So I can't, I mean, personally, I can't name The Wire the greatest series of all time if it has one out of five seasons that's a total miss. That seems to me like you have to hit all your seasons pretty much. Pretty much. I mean, I can forgive, if there's like eight or nine seasons, I can forgive one, but if 10% or more is like shit, then... (laughs) Uh, What about Mad Men? Did Mad Men ever have a bad season? I wouldn't say it had a bad season. There were definitely episodes where I'm like, come on, what the fuck? Like, <laughs> give me something, you know? They, maybe you get something in the last minute or you're just a lot of shitty character work on there with, like, those hippies right. and other office dicks, but... Uh, Stan, Stan and company. Just those names you don't... It's Peggy and all those fuck sticks is what I call... All those dudes, <laughs> like, I can't... Who cares? All right, let's get into uh, our Full House, Fuller House discussion. I, want, I You know, I usually let you do the ranting, but I got a little bit of a rant here. And let's just let's just bounce out around forever because or bounce around wherever, excuse me, because these shows can really be looked at. I think in a pod, I would say that they could be looked at together. So first of all, it's the same fucking script. So <laughs> it's the same. It's the same script. It's the same setup. It's just the younger characters are old and the older characters are <laughs> decrepit. <Yeah>. So <laughs> Fuller House, there is quite. Okay, the Michelle Tanner, or whatever her name... Is it Michelle, right, in the show? Uh, Michelle is the, the Olsen twins, the youngest. You yeah, got yeah. DJ and Stephanie. Right, yeah. Michelle Tanner. The Michelle Tanner scene in Fuller House may be the greatest moment of audience pandering in the history of recorded entertainment. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It is... Yeah. I was baffled. I, I was shocked that that has, was aired. Okay, so think about it. They gather the entire cast, past and present. They look directly into the camera, and they beg a real-life person using their real-life occupation, referencing them as a real person. They beg them to come back to their nostalgia cast-grab show. <laughs> yes. they, they break the fourth wall in a show that, to my knowledge, has never broken the fourth wall. At all. And the break doesn't just last. It's not like a quick side gag by like one character. 
it's 12 characters staring into the camera guilting her guilting the um the leaders of a fashion empire who are, probably do not need that blood money into coming back to a terrible show and they do it for like what do you think like 10 seconds right it was a long pause like long enough that not only do you notice that you're just like oh they really are doing this they're really like they're really letting those olsen twins know long enough that joey could do probably what do you think like four or five different faces at least i mean he's (laughs) always doing three faces per scene (laughs) he's like doing four or five different faces he can run through all his looks in this 10 second grab it was it was mind-boggling. I couldn't believe it. Like the rest of the the rest of the show, Fuller House, is played pretty, pretty straight in a sitcom sense. And like I, I mean, that just seems like a complete betrayal of like their point of view, and any form of like legitimacy. Like if you're trying to build this show again, and build it under these who I thought were two fairly talented actresses. I, I didn't have anything bad to say about the kids that had grown up. They completely undermine the legitimacy of the program by just in, in ten seconds. It, it plays like a it plays like a gag from that point on, and it plays like the whole thing is like being like this nostalgic joke. Yeah, to me, the whole concept of Fuller House is a nostalgic joke. They really don't insert any kind of story moving forward until the last couple minutes, um, in a couple more of the un the most unrealistic tv scenes ever i mean (laughs) one of the most unrealistic tv scenes ever it's incredible that this made it to air that this like if they just did it in front of like a studio audience just as like a joke to kind of get them riled up and to like kind of get them you know on their wavelength and to have them laugh a lot like that would be one thing but they put this in the show and also it's a 35 minute netflix episode because netflix of course is like i'm sure it's a great place creatively but let's, like, if, if a show needs a time limit, let's give it a fucking time limit. Like, this show did not need 35 minutes to set up the same exact thing the original did in 21 minutes in a much more compact, concise way. This show did not need 35 minutes. It needed three to five <laughs> minutes on a fucking episode of Fallon on a Tuesday night in summer when no one's watching but these assholes. You know, that's a really good idea. If they could have just gathered this cast and did it on Fallon, kind of like they did for Saved by the Bell, is this show even happening? Like, no. They could just get. They could just scratch the nostalgic itch and get on with it. But Exactly, instead, and that's, that's what made me the most angry. Like, I watched the first one, Full House, whatever. Like... If you put that show in context of when it was aired right, and all right. the shit that TGIF. was on, it's not the evil like this Fuller House bullshit. Like you take Netflix, you're wasting everyone's time, everyone's subscription. You're giving this a season in which a fucking white privileged poster family decides not to sell their San Francisco real estate so that dumbass DJ Tanner could live in this house that's worth like $5 million and they could all be buddies again. Like, it's just fucked, man. It was so stupid. Like, it it did not need to be a whole show. The length reminded me of when they gave 40, like, I think it was like 44 or 45 minutes to the um, Tobias section of the Arrested Development (laughs) season four disaster. Remember he did it with Maria Bamford and they were like doing like that fantastic foreplay. I like kept looking at my watch during the entire episode. Like, is this thing really going to be 44 minutes? Like, I get it, Netflix. You want to, 
give them all the freedom in the world, but like a 35-minute sitcom episode is never going to be effective. There's too much fat on it. There's too much standing around and dancing and weird interactions with her old boyfriend from the old show where he's like stealing food from them. Like there's just too much. It's it's almost like you are tempted to include, you're obviously tempted to include stuff you otherwise wouldn't. So there's no editing process. So you go with these like bulky scripts and phrases well yeah that and therefore and other things are just like weird character things that wouldn't exist otherwise like does the steve guy need to be that much of a man baby no and why like that it's obvious that they couldn't since they couldn't get the olsen twins that to ramp up this gibbler and steve and all these like c-level characters that weren't even like they would be maybe on a handful of episodes throughout an entire season of the real show they're just not sticking to the source material. I know that sounds pretty high-minded for Full House, but it's just, man, they fucked up everything. Like, Arrested Development is probably one of the, let's say, 30 best shows ever. Mm-hmm. And even Netflix fucked up that reboot of something that was so great. And now they're taking something that was kind of borderline to begin with and just throwing money at the three or four famous people, hooking up all the rest of these people... I'm not, gonna, like, I'm, I'm not going to lie. You just went robot there for a second. But I assume you were saying bad things about both the Arrested Development reboot and Full House, which I'm totally on board with. Yes, I, <laughs> I was. Um, just that, you know, if you mess up a reboot of something as good as Arrested Development, how are you going to reboot a piece of shit with nothing to work with? Well, they showed us how, and it was this. <laughs> um, let's do a few more. We'll, we'll get back to the classic thing in a second here, but <clears throat> excuse me. Just a, a few more things from Fuller House. Let's do some of our notes here. Um, first off, they reboot the theme song, Carly Rae Jepsen. I like her. I think she's a cool pop artist, but uh, it's the same song, reworked, so not really much to go over there. I will say that the, the intro believe it or not is kind of well done in the reboot like with the um with kind of like the progression of the of the characters through the years like that kind of i I like that the tone the tone of the intro matches the show to a t it's like the flashbacks are the exact nostalgia bullshit they're aiming for in the show i mean as an intro it knows exactly what the show's aiming for and i can at least respect that but the intro was the high point of the entire episode. <laughs> so that's where the problem comes in. It wasn't the worst part. Like, the the actual theme song, I think, is kind of funny. Just to point out some of the lyrics, like, uh, where they're talking about predictability, the milkman, the paper boy. <laughs> like, what is this fake 1950s America that dumb fucks, obs- like, insist on obsessing over, like... It sounds kind of familiar, right? Like maybe somebody's using that kind of thinking right now to convince idiots to do something stupid. <laughs> well, you know, I was going to bring this up with the original, but I-, I believe it was like an oral history of TGIF that I was reading. This is what I do for this show. I read oral histories of TGIF. <laughs> if you don't know what TGIF is, it's basically um, Full House, Family Matters, right? Yep. Um, step by step, and I think Boy Meets World was in there for a while. I think Correct. Uh, Sabrina, the 
the teenage witch might have snuck in there a little bit. But anyways, there are all these family shows. And so they did this oral history of TGIF, and Bob Saget said the idea was a full house, of course. Everybody's problems are getting listened to. That formula made it so special for families and kids, and they followed through with the other TGIF shows. Every character got served. Everyone had a story. And then Candace Cameron <laughs> Bure, is she really married to the hockey player? Yeah. That's awesome. He's, he was a great player. Um, she said, as a kid, I didn't realize how cheesy some of the moments were. I loved it. I only knew it was sugary sweet because people would say it was. In, in the moment, I thought it was sweet and heartfelt. I thought, well, this is what a sitcom is all about. So, you know, my thoughts are kind of are kind of this on these sitcoms, especially during this era. Like, everyday people aren't looking for reality when they come to these shows. What they're looking for is that sugary sweetness that she talked about. They're looking for that reality where a character could say, What's the problem, son? Let's talk, you know, stuff like that. Those moments that are embarrassing in life, but it's the same reason we watch something like Mad Men, if you, if you kind of break it down. Mad Men we watch because we can't drink, smoke, and fuck all the time. So we watch something like Mad Men to fill that gap. You watch something like Full House, or at least families do, because these families are better than theirs. These families are more open than theirs, and they can like actually have those discussions that everybody is of course terrified to do like those moments are just unrealistic of the traditional family lifestyle so it's this fiction that we're, we've been sold and i don't know if that's bad or good but it's definitely a fiction the same way we watch anything else i think yeah i agree with you 90 percent. i think like <laughs> the reason why i'm addicted to television and i do this podcast and it replaced my father and like <laughs> is because of shit like this like Okay, so I live with a bunch of fat morons in a blue-collar shithole. My life sucks. Yeah. All I want is my mom and dad to, like, love me and talk to me. But instead of doing that, they order me a shitty pizza and pop on TGIF. And they're like, well, I don't really want to love my kid, so I'll just give them this love substitute of television and fucking Bob Saget. And then fuck them. Like, I don't have to raise... like. And plus, like, I watch Mad Men. Some people watch it because they can't smoke and drink all the time. Other people like me watch it to get ideas. Like, how can I smoke and drink all the time? Like, what career, you know, and I, I pretty much do. Like, so I think, I, I don't know. I, I agree with you, though. People do watch, like, me and you, I think, consume media for much different reasons than the average network television viewer. But I think that it sells the viewer really short when you give them bullshit and be like, well, this is good enough for those fucks. Like, you could challenge it, like, like maybe put an episode where DJ gets, like, slipped a date rape drug or, I don't know, like, something, like, they start off with the dead mom, but then that's it. Like, conflict goes away at that point. And then it's, like, the cute problems of rich white people. Right. Now, I, I, I do agree with that, that there is, there is a danger... There's a danger in basically digesting fiction. I think that's why we have, like, present day, we have floated more so towards these quote-unquote grounded shows. Like, even something like the Carmichael show, right, that is depicting, and maybe this is because we live in just, like, the TV lover's bubble. Like, the Carmichael show is very much loved among TV people. I don't know if it is among the populace. And so I would I would hope that it is, and I would hope that people are taking in things that are are still family suited, but have some some grounding to them, so that it's not just this 
family ideal that you'll never reach no matter your situation like you you talked about having a fucked up situation but even a good situation couldn't match the charm and the love present in the tanner household like it's just not matchable so there is a danger in digesting that fiction yeah there is all right well let's get into just some general show notes we'll do fuller house first and then we'll jump down to full house and talk about any any observations we had there so what are some of your show notes on fuller house on part two of our epic saga anything that stuck out to you anything that was weird i've got some weirdness what stuck out to me most of all about fuller house was that they spent like every pilot they're doing character intros and in this they kind of had to reintroduce people and be oh you remember why you like this idiot here's their catchphrase (laughs) so like they spent 28 minutes or whatever doing that. And then they insert this plot in like the last minute. And you're supposed to just buy this. Like, you know, they live in San Francisco, which is, you know, the most expensive area in America. They're rich as fuck. They're like the white privileged poster children. They could sell <laughs> this house and have $10 million easily to some tech dick. And all problems are away. You give, you know, DJ Tanner, a little money to be a single mom. You give fucking the DJ other chick money to go to Ibiza and do her DJ set. Like Bob Saget could retire. I just, you know, I know we talked about reality already, but that shit, like they should have, okay, we did the intros. Here's fucking Stamos. Here's the other asshole that that Morissette song is about. And all right, plot. But instead, they just intro, intro, intro to death. And I didn't even really know what to think by the end of the show or what to write down or who it was for, why I was still watching it. I just got lost. It's it's so hard for me to connect when pilots or shows try to make things or try to make people over successful. Like, okay, so in the original, Bob Saget is still, or Danny Tanner is a like a morning show host in San Francisco. That's believable. He's a good-looking dude. He seems very nice. But by Fuller House, he is a like a bigger uglier shell of himself and yet he is going to host a a national syndicated morning show. It just <laughs> doesn't make any sense. The success doesn't match with the characters. Joey is a Las Vegas comedian. Okay, I guess I guess I can kind of buy it because we know Joey's a comedian in real life. Jesse's just kind of he lives in LA, of course, probably because he's famous in his own way. You know, the other girl's like a DJ. It's like everybody has to be super successful, and it's very, very much the Disney Channel mode of thinking. Yeah, Disney Channel can't build a show around just like a standard kid. It seems like like they have to be either like. Um, like a budding music star or they have to own like a hotel or they have to do this. Like there has to be some like extreme, they derive comedy from extreme scenarios, not everyday situations. And this is like the virus that has infected this show. Like everything has to be to the extreme. Absolutely everything. And so deriving comedy from the extreme is hollow because you can't do an extreme every single episode. You have to build everyday situations that you can mine over and over again, especially if you're going to do it for eight seasons or whatever, however long the first show ran. So that's what really pisses me off about this show, that everything is so extreme. Everything. Right. Everything's heightened to the point of it's not even corny or ridiculous. It's just bad. Like I can appreciate a lot of corny shit. Right. I can appreciate a schmaltzy fucking episode of Modern Family and like... 
you know, but this just, I don't know. It was painful. <laughs> Some other show notes I had. Um, they spent a whole minute on that opening Elvis joke, probably because Stamos was like, I need an Elvis joke. <laughs> So right. I'm going to play with his baby and pretend he's Elvis for a whole minute. Bob Saget had to get back into the family dude role after fucking whores on Entourage for a couple of seasons. So I'm, <laughs> I'm, I'm glad he still got it in him. What that means is that every time you turn around, anywhere, anytime, you will be looking at this. That's just great, Scotty. That's just what I want to be looking at while I'm sniffing a line of blow off her ass. Your fucking face. That really. Uh, what else did they do? The Michelle thing, yeah, we talked about that. I actually thought Candace was pretty good, the main, the main girl. Kimmy as the annoying neighbor. Okay, another thing about these. All these girls, they go, it's again, pushed to the extreme, but this time it's how they're sexualized. Like, of course, Kimmy is crazy in bed. They have to, they have, to have that in there because she's older now. They have to give her a mature storyline. Does it have to be that? Probably not. Um, <laughs> <laughs> the, the other sister... They like have to basically mention how large her chest is. Do we really need that? Like, we get it. They're women. We can derive female-oriented humor out of it without having to point it out. It's almost like they really. It's like we have to point this out, or the audience isn't going to get it. They're still going to see them as little girls. No, they're adults. We we see it. Like you don't have to pound it into our brain. Maybe give us like a four minute, four minutes less in this episode, and you wouldn't have to do that shit. Maybe, but I think, again, you're giving the audience for this shit of way <laughs> too much credit. Like, the fuckers my age who made this dumbass reunion happen and bitched and whined and went on the internet or whatever, however this came to be, all of those people are the worst. Like, way worse than the cast for taking the money, way worse than us for talking about it. Like, people wanted this, and this is what you're going to get. You're going to get beaten over the head with mm. just... You're stupid. Here's a reminder. You're stupid. Remember this? Hey, stupid ass in fucking Wisconsin watching this. Like, remember this from 1989? Remember Stamos when he had a mullet? Remember, remember. It's just like this fucking nostalgic remember jerk off. Well, the like, first the first five minutes is one character after another, each getting their own applause, each yeah. entering with like a catchphrase. It's like, oh, hey, remember we had Jesse? Yes, we remember. The show ran for eight motherfucking years. <laughs> yeah. And it's been in syndication for forever. It's like if they came back and did more Seinfeld. God thank God thank um, Jerry Seinfeld for not doing that. But if they came back and they introduced everybody and George like tripped when he fell in, or Kramer like tripped when he fell in, and George like right. did some Georgian thing, and like that's the kind of level of um, of just nuance we're playing with here. Yeah, it it's, was brutal, man. It's really bad. Okay, so let's get on to Full House here because we do want to play a game here at the end of the episode. We don't want it to run too long. Um, I'd assume, uh, talking about the original now, I assume this is a very long intro, or at least it's longer than the one that ran in syndication, because there is a lot of stuff that they throw in this title talk. Like, there is so many activities going on, and so much bad CGI. Yeah, there's a lot. <laughs> there's a lot of stuff going on. It's almost like... this is. It feels like this is the only thing they ever filmed in, filmed in San Francisco. Yeah, the beginning. That it's, was it. You get some shots of the bridge. It's like when John Krasinski went to um, before the office when him and his pals went to, like out to Scranton to film the sign and like to mm. film some Scranton stuff. That this is like that version. Like, let's go to San Francisco. Let's get some shots at the park. Get a really terrible CGI shot of them riding in the back of the car, and then we can move on. Um, so yeah, that was the title. Title sequence is very long. 
it's uh i mean it is kind of like a nice introduction like each of them well you know what i will say this john stamos gets a very john stamos thing to do in the title talk bob saget gets something to do he's very fatherly but joey kind of gets lumped in with um stamos as kind of like a skirt chaser he doesn't really get anything to do in the opening sequence he should be doing faces (laughs) should he I mean, that's all the fucker's gonna do for the next nine years that you're gonna watch. So that's you might true. as well get a get a fucking taste of it. Like it's that's just true. bad. <laughs> I hate Dave Coulier. First of all, let me just interrupt you and say that my hate for this man. Why do you just, hate him? I, I don't even know if I have a reason. I just think I look at him and get angry. Something must have happened when I was a kid. Maybe he made a. I don't know, man. But I just hmm. can't. Did can't you? Fuck with I mean, is he somebody that you ever watched any stand up for him or Saga? Nope. I've watched a little bit of Saget just for this. Like I watched um, you know, the Aristocrats joke and like his cameo in Half Baked. I, I re-entered the Saget universe, but I didn't get I didn't get to Coulier. I forgot he had a cameo in Half Baked. Of course he did. <laughs> uh Danny Danny Tanner in this show is like the original emo boy. Um <laughs> there's there's a line where he says, I'm a lean, mean hugging machine. Which really, Jesus. which actually did kind of make me laugh. Um, he also had a segment on boxing that he called "Bullies in Shorts." So this guy's like, I, I don't think they could really take this approach anymore. Like even in Fuller House, like when he's like a clean freak, it's kind of played for like kind, kind of like laughs and also kind of something a girl likes. In the original, he's played as a total fucking dork just because he wants a clean house with no dirty laundry. <laughs> is that is that such a terrible thing? That's what I want to know. Well, they're trying to contrast him with the bad boy, you know, Uncle Jesse and the totally funny and zany, like whoever. Um, Joey. Joey. Yeah. So he's got to be this drag of a nerd. Like, oh, man, what a dick. You got to clean your house. What a pussy. Well, you know, I was thinking- rocking. And- <laughs> you know, there uh- there was something I noticed here, and like these guys are very much painted as man children, right? Mm-hmm. And I think we kind of still paint them in this way in a little bit. Like the closest I can relate to, like this brand of man children to like not doing your laundry, and to like not being able to change diapers or whatever. I, it's kind of like the Apatow gang in a way. Like it's these harmless dummies who, in Apatow's world, they smoke a lot of pot. But in this world, they make funny faces, and they do like the network version of smoking pot, which yeah, is like being goofy. which is like be a stand-up comedian or a struggling musician. <laughs> yeah, and, uh, I mean, like, so we kind of have two categories. We have like the sociopaths on like Always Sunny, or the criminals on Trailer Park Boys on one side. But we still do have like this characterization of like not growing up. It's like, but it's like displayed in the not being able to change diapers way. Yeah, and I mean it's this, it's this idea on network TV since about 1990, right around the when this show was hitting its peak, that all men are these shitbag idiots or little kids or, you know, just fat slobs that can't get their <laughs> life together until it's the same thing they do to women. Like until you're married and make six figures and like have two to five kids, you're just if you're a woman, you're like an empty slut. And if you're a man, you're just a fat turd. And only through marriage can you save each other and have like a meaningful existence. It's very odd. Like, first of all, Tanner, like this dude would have had a wife in six months. He wouldn't have all these assholes moving into his mansion. (laughs) 
you know, like wives die. It sucks. It's awful. No one wants to think about that. But then you don't need eight years of fucking goofy ass, like 45 year old dudes in pajamas and shit. I, I does just, does I he care. have romantic interests in the show? I think probably near the end, but yeah. I don't, I mean, I'll never watch to find out. Um, a couple lines that did make me laugh. Uh, somebody said, it's my non-paying job to cheer people up as a comedian. I, I kind of like that line. That was a Pretty little funny. Yeah, that was a little clever. Um, I'm trying to find, there was one more. There was one more that, uh, oh, <laughs> one of the girls when the baby was about to shit its pants or had shit its pants was like, showtime. It's like, that's kind of weird. Just a little bit. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> also they delay the conflict in this as well like the conflicts are delayed in both of these episodes this one is delayed until like the last five minutes where she quote-unquote runs away and it's, yeah it is just in the garage like look around your house dog you'll find her <laughs> yeah. it's like it's not that difficult but uh like they delay the conflict in both of these they spend so much time setting things up and it's the same exact setup uh, yeah, a husband or a wife dies. The husband in Fuller House, of course, being a firefighter, <laughs> which was ridiculous. Uh, there's a Cosby joke in here. There's a Bruce Cosby Willis. and Pee Wee Herman. How about yeah, that? Yeah, sexual predators. <laughs> yeah, there's a Bruce Willis has a record deal joke in here. Good um, joke. You know, I will say one good thing they do is that they really. The geography is easily established in this show. You know where everything is, despite having to walk us through the house. And I think that's an accomplishment as well. That's just good, good set design, I guess, to where everything is perfectly flat and to where all the doors are facing, you know, outwards so that, like, you know exactly where her room is despite mm -hmm. not walking up the stairs with her. Like, that's good. I like that. Oh, one little note on this before we move on because I think we want to move on at this point. <laughs> Two notes, I'll say. The first was that they did this pilot, the very original pilot. They did this bef without Bob Saget, and it was a guy named John Posey. And the the full episode of the pilot is on the DVD set, so if you are a big fan and you have that DVD, you can watch that. Um, but th there was an interesting inter interview on Yahoo, if you can find it, with this guy. And he talks about how he's all ready to move out to L.A., and then he got the call saying he was replaced. And he's been on a bunch of shows since then. Um, and his son is actually the star of that MTV Teen Wolf show. So he's still very much like a Hollywood person. Huh. Um, yeah, which I thought was interesting. It was kind of neat. Um, but yeah, he was cast as Danny Tanner. And they basically did the same exact episode. Staged the same exact way. It's actually quite <laughs> astonishing how similar they are. And yeah, I guess... It, he must just not have had the charm. He was um, bigger than Danny Tanner. Uh, it said he's 5'9", 180. He's an ex-wrestler, this guy that shot it. And Saget's 6'3", 110 pounds soaking wet. That was his words. So, I don't know. Maybe Tanner just needed to look more like a wuss, I guess. Maybe instead of having a tough guy sports caster, they wanted like the nerd sports guy to, <laughs> right. to get the jocks and the nerds to coexist. Right. Uh, and one thing about Fuller House, there was a study. This the Symphony Advanced Media did a study, and this is the place that like listens on your smartphone to see if they can identify what show it is. And apparently, this place, which I don't trust very much, but it was on like the AV Club, and this news was spreading all over the place. They said that it is one of the most Fuller House was one of the most popular shows on television last year or this year and it's netflix's most popular show so more popular Jesus than house Christ. of cards orange is the new black all that 
So this was in the 18 to 49 demographic, 14.4 million people logged as watching it. Fuck this whole country, <laughs> dude. We deserve Trump to be president. That shit. Don't dude, say that. All of this. There was two Trump jokes in Fuller House. They're really hammering that asshole. Uh, in in the words of um, reactions to John Oliver, they were annihilating Donald Trump. Hmm. Hey everyone, jumping in here real quick to apologize for some technical issues. In these last eight minutes, you'll notice some slight skipping. That's an issue we had with capturing audio off Google Hangouts. There will be a little at the tail end of episode 26 as well, but we did get it figured out for the rest of our coming run. Our apologies, and thanks for tuning in to season two. All right, let's finish out with a game here. So we're going to be playing a game all year where every time a guest comes on, they'll play this game, or at least we'll try to make them play this game. <laughs> and uh, so this is how the game works. It's called the IMDB game. I'm going to give you Grimes, or whoever our guest is, I'm going to give you 10 TV shows. What you're going to do is when I name a TV show, you're going to try to name a high-billed person on that IMDB list. Now, a, a, okay. few, a few rules here. Um, first, they list them in order of how many episodes they've appeared on. And second, I believe they list them in alphabetical order if they are the same episode numbers. So okay. you're going to get points for anybody in the top five. If you name the top person, number one, five points. Um, and this might be the one that confuses people. But if you go number one, if you name, say, top person Amy Poehler on Parks and Rec, then you get five points and another guess. So technically, you could get... Five, four, three, two, one, 15 points total every show for a total of 150. All right. Got it. Mm -hmm. So I'm going to give you 10 shows. You try to name the top build person, and we're always going to start with the show that we did today. And of course, we talked about Full House. So, Full House. who is your top build Full House person? And I can already tell you that my alphabetical rule, see, IMDb is a strange animal. Sometimes, <laughs> sometimes it's alphabetized, sometimes it's not. In this case, it is not. Okay. So, so sometimes it goes by, the, is it their star meter? Is that what it's called? It must be, like whoever was popping at the time. Whoever was popping, sometimes it's alphabetized, but it's really just like, it's a fucking wild animal. That's how crazy IMDb is. That's how hard the game is. So who's your top build person, Full House? First of all, let me say, I know all the actors' names. It, okay. It's only going to matter if I nail the order. So okay. here we go. I'm going <laughs> I'm going with my gut, my stoner right. luck, half-baked, Bob Saget. Bob Saget is not in the top five. Fuck. Well, okay. <laughs> Bob Saget is way down there, and he's at, he actually did 192 episodes, so he missed one, and everybody above him did 193. So he, uh, okay. he mu I guess he missed one at one point. All right, so so far, a big old zero. Hmm. All right, second up is Parks and Recreation. Okay, here we go. All right. Amy Poehler. Okay. Nick Offerman. All right, that's five and four. You're, you're on a roll so far. <sighs> I hate to do that. Rob Lowe. <laughs> Rob Lowe. No, Rob Lowe came in later in the series. Ah, uh, that's right. But it was still season one, I thought. Maybe the not. The next one was Aubrey Plaza. No, Rob Lowe, uh, Rob Lowe comes in at like season three or four. Oh, uh, okay. Yeah, he's at 77 episodes when they did 125. All right. Flight of the Concords is your next one. I know that's one of your one of your jams. I do love it. So give it to me. Jermaine Clement. All right. 22 episodes, top build, five points. Um, Brett McKenzie. Four points. Already up to 
nine on this one. Reese Darby. Whoa, three. There we go. All right, so keep going. Kristen Shaw. All right, 14. And Arge Barker. Whoa, that's a top five right there. 15. Your boy got a sweep. Now, let's just say, you you had no idea any of these shows are coming. These are random. I really swear I'm not cheating. I'm looking at my desktop background right, right now. And I you, swear. You'll be able to tell he's not cheating by this next one. NCIS. Oh, man. <laughs> Oh, I can picture the guy. Okay, Mark Harmon. All right, five. That's it. All right. They, <laughs> hey, you got, you got the five. All right, next up. Now, this is an anthology, so you got to remember that there's been multiple seasons, multiple casts, but they, they treat it as one. Okay. So this is American Horror Story. <sighs> okay, they treat it as one. I'm going to go deep. Jessica Lang. Jessica Lang is third, so you get three points, and we move on. Okay. All right, Boston Legal. <laughs> Boston. Uh, William Shatner. William Shatner. No, uh, yeah, no, William Shatner is second. So. Ah, uh, uh, was Spader first? Yep, Spader first. Okay. So that's not alphabetical. He must have been in more then. Yeah, I guess so. Well, well hold on, let's check. Huh. Nope, they've both been in 101 episodes. Like I said, IMDb is yes. a, a fucking <laughs> strange beast. All right, two guys, a girl, and a pizza place. Oh, you know this is a good one for me because yeah. Deadpool and that shit. Ryan Reynolds. He is second, though. He is only second. Oh, who was um, first, the guy or the girl? The girl is first. All right. Mm, her don't name, rem- I remember she was she was good, but her, her name is Trailer, not Taylor. Apparently, her name is T R A Y L O R Howard. Yeah, Trailer Howard. Hmm. Yeah, yeah. Okay, Fargo, another anthology series, another tough one. <sighs> well. Yeah, I haven't seen anything but season one, so I can't even really cheat. I just have to guess maybe this dude made it. Colin Hanks? He is second. There you go. Oh, Four. okay, cool. Four. Um, okay, so this one, <laughs> every week I want to try to throw in at least one USA show to make sure that you have a bad score <laughs> or whoever's playing has a bad score. So this is a show called Royal Pains. What you don't know is I love Royal Pains. No, I'm just kidding. Um, I can picture it's like a buddy comedy, right? Like all USA no, shows. you're thinking of Psych. <laughs> okay, no, I don't know it then at all. I have no clue. Okay, it's zero. Um, and the last one, and this is in honor of a upcoming movie, and this is called The Real Ghostbusters, aired in 86 to 91, seven oh. seasons, and it was an animated show. <sighs> I don't remember any of the voices. I'm out. All right, that was a zero. Um, the guy who played Winston was Arsenio Hall. Nice. And also, you want to know who played Peter Venkman was a guy named Dave Coulier. Oh, little <laughs> crossover there. I see what you did. Little crossover there. Yeah, I'll throw I'll throw on some crossovers as well. Okay, so let's see what you got here. I feel I, I dominated that shit, dude. I think you played. Yeah, you played pretty well. So we're at thirty nine <laughs> so far. Forty eight. That's pretty total. respectable, dude. That's, that's good. That's pretty good. I don't know if we're going to put you on the scoreboard because you're kind of a pro, but uh, we might reserve the scoreboard just for our you know, our guests. In case no one beats it, then I can feel good about myself. Yeah, if, if nobody beats it by the end of the year, we're boosting you right up there with, <laughs> with that 48 points. All right, well, let's wrap up today. Today, of course, we talked about Full House and Fuller House. Full House was a strange one to find. I had to watch it on Daily Motion. Same. Um, Fuller House is on Netflix, though. It's a Netflix original. So you can go check that out. You can watch both of them. 
I guess daily motion's a little illegal, but hey, we operate in the gray here, you know? We try. <laughs> um, John, plugs. All right. Uh, follow me on Twitter at underscore Grimes John or um, Instagram, I guess. I don't know. Grimes John. Why not? Um, does your does your dog have its own Instagram? He doesn't, but he has his own hashtag. It's Marley Grimes. Whew. So if you want to check out that that pooch, it's Marley Grimes. Um, I'm really afraid about going down the road of the dog having its own Instagram. I feel like that's like the first step to like clinical insanity. It is. It doesn't help. You know, it's been contemplated, but I thought better of it. One more thing I'll suggest on the Full House, Fuller House front is there is a piece that Entertainment Weekly did. Now, there's a little bit of an issue. I found it, but I can't go past page one. It is a piece of somebody doing the Full House marathon without sleeping. It's like them watching all the episodes in a row, no sleep, just trudging through them. I remember reading it like years ago and it was just hilarious. Like the Beach Boys showing up over and over again and just like this guy going basically slowly insane. (laughs) (laughs) And uh, so if you can find that full version, first off, send it to me. Second off, read it. It's a really good read. And uh, Grimes, do you remember the episode where they went to Disney World? You know, a little bit. I remember Goofy making an appearance. Um, I, I remember the they went to the Indiana Jones show. Okay. And um, years later, I went and saw the Indiana Jones show, and it hadn't changed at all. <laughs> <laughs> like, at all. So, uh, yeah, find that episode as well. All right, let's wrap this up. This has been the... This has been Pilot Study episode number 25 in our season two premiere. And of course, as always, we're going to leave you with a clip from the show we're discussing next week with special guest, the Native Sounds, Julio Anta. So we can't wait until he comes up on the show. Thank you, guys. Well, we've got some hot tempers, Mr. President. Mary. Uh, Mr. President, I'm uh, John Van Dyke. Yes. Reverend? Uh, May I ask you a question, sir? Of course. If our children can buy pornography on any street corner for $5... Isn't that too high a price to pay for free speech? No. Really? On the other hand, I do think that five dollars. Never know what show they're gonna talk about, but they're only gonna talk about the first one. And that's the premise behind pilot study.